Darkness exists in this world. It is all too real and all too prevalent. It can surround us when we least expect it and make us feel overwhelmed. But in Christ, we have hope. Hi, this is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. We're excited to start this new series called Unshakable Hope. The Bible calls hope the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. In reality, it is that thing that latches on to the certainty of the future and the promises that God has made to us. In Him, we have unshakable hope. Enjoy the message. Again, let's give it up to the Lord. Man, that was some good worship. That's that's good stuff. So um, I am going to let you in on a little fun fact here. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Jason Strauss, if you could go into the refrigerator, there's a little thing right there. It's green container. You could bring that to me. A little fun fact about your lead pastor that uh, you may not know is that uh, my favorite snack, now I want you to think about yours right now, my favorite snack, there's not even a close second, is what's about to enter this room in just a moment. It's called guacamole. (laughs) Now, if you're with me on that, can you say amen? amen? If you don't want any part of that, can you say amen? I am telling you, this is sent from heaven above. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Not just any guacamole works. Are you with me? Like, matter of fact, there's only one guacamole I found on this earth that comes in a container that are worthy of these lips. And it's found... Vallartas. Now, just because I knew what was going to happen, you know what? I can't be, I don't care if it's nine o'clock in the morning. I got to. You just, just enjoy it. Oh my gosh. Uh. Oh, can you hear that right there? So here's the deal. This is the greatest snack ever. As a matter of fact, it's so great that it makes the top 10 of the greatest meals ever in this guy's life. But let me tell you something. The ingredients is what matters. Like, like if some of you, I've been to your house, and again, it's not a bad thing, but you'll take an avocado and you'll smash it with a fork and you will call it guacamole. (laughs) I call that smashed avocado with a fork. Now, don't get me wrong, it's good, but it's not great. And what makes guacamole is the ingredients. So I I brought for you the perfect guacamole. (laughs) Some of you are like, did we end up at church or Vallarta's? So so you, you start off with the avocado, right? And then you've got the tomato. You got, you got to cut that up small. I don't want big pieces. I want small pieces. And then, and then what you do is you've got your cilantro. Come on now, church. You can't have good guacamole without cilantro and lots of it. Some of you are just drilling right now. I love it. Then you've got to chop up the onion just as small as you chopped up the tomato. It's got to be in there. And then this bad boy. 
This is the X factor. This is what makes your guacamole taste whatever this decides it's going to taste. <laughs> but you got to have this. And then as my son Easton reminded me as we were shopping together last night, you've got to have the lime to squeeze at the end of it. And when you do all of this, you get the best snack ever. <laughs> so what in the world does this have to do with the sermon today? Absolutely nothing. I just wanted to teach you if I'm coming over your house to have the right kind of guac. No. <laughs> Actually, it has everything to do with the sermon. Because if you look at the title of the sermon today, it's what? The greatest story ever told. And, and what I've learned is it's not the story that makes it great. It's the ingredients of the story. It's the words put together that make the story great. And so we get to put together the greatest story ever and unpackage it to understand the reason it's the greatest is because it's got six of the greatest words ever known in the history of man. Are you at the edge of your seat now? Holy guacamole. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for putting this story together that we're going to look at today in your word. Thank you, God, that we're not just going to, we're not going to just have the greatest snack. We're going to have the greatest meal, the greatest story, the greatest words ever shared here today. And I thank you that I get to be a part of it. Lord, open my ears up. Open our ears up, Lord, to hear your message. Help us to find ourselves in this story. God, only you could do this through your Holy Spirit. I love you and we love you in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, if we're taking notes, write this down, background. This is gonna be the very beginning of our sermon and so I'm kind of working backwards a little bit here, but we just started a brand new series called Unshakable Hope, which is the theme of our year and so we continue to bring that theme up every now and then throughout the year. And we are going to take a look at the book of Colossians. Can you say Colossians with me? Colossians. It would, be, it, would be, it would do you well to go home and read the book of Colossians over the next uh, four weeks as we study this book. Uh, and, and just delve into it, live it, claim it, struggle with it, meditate it, pray with it. And we're going to take a look at this book. But before we can actually take a look at the book, we have to do, do a little bit of background here. First of all, it's not a book. It's really a letter. And it's a letter written to Jews and Christian, uh, or, or Jews, Jews and Gentile Christians uh, that are, are, are probably new in the faith, that are just life changes all over the place in so many good ways. But with the good comes some bad. Because these people were being influenced. They were being influenced by uh, what we would call the Judaizers. Uh, they were being influenced by uh, pagan uh, uh, thinking on philosophies. They were being influenced by all these outside sources. And, and, and really what was happening in Colossae uh, was this, this young church, although they were on fire for the Lord, were, were having these outside influences were, that were saying, okay, Jesus is good, but not good enough. It was Jesus 
and. And I think we can fast forward to 2019 and we see some of the same things going. Amen? Colossae, if you want to know kind of uh, where it is, it's, it's the modern day Turkey. It's kind of south central uh, Turkey of today. Like I said, it's the mixed with uh, Jews and Gentiles. Um, the author, uh, many believe, was Paul. And Paul wrote this uh, while being imprisoned uh, for preaching the gospel. And uh, one of the unique things is that Paul had never been to Colossae. But he, 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 he has a friend that has come and let him know about the church, probably the one that started the church, and you'll see this in the text. And, and he's telling them all the good things that are happening in this church, but he's also sharing his concerns with it. And although the people had never met Paul, I bet you they heard about Paul. He would be a celebrity amongst the churches. And, and so Paul is in this jail cell reflecting. And, and, and you can imagine, and again, I don't know exactly how it was read, but you can imagine the church had come together, maybe like this. Maybe they sang a few songs. They probably didn't have a keyboard, an electric guitar, and they certainly didn't have Michael North. But then this letter that they were anticipating because they heard a letter came from Paul who they knew was in jail. And you can imagine the person that came up front and said, all right, let, let, let's read this thing. And, and this letter would be read to the whole congregation. So think about that as you read the book of Colossians, the letter uh, that Paul wrote. So I want to ask you if you don't uh, have a Bible right now, if you raise your hand, these fine gentlemen are going to make their way down and get you one of these uh, wonderful, life-changing books. And while the rest of us open to the book of Colossians and, or our Bible apps, and we're going we're gonna to get going. Uh, right out the gate in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So you got Paul and Timothy teaming up here. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And much like many of his letters, he says, grace and what? Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Again, Paul never visited these people, but he was encouraged by them. And, and this is why this letter is written, because he's encouraged, he wants to encourage them. And you see this by the beginning uh, of the letter here. But he also, like I said, he wants to warn them against false teaching. Epaphras informed him, uh, he's the one that came to Paul in jail and, and said, hey, this is what's going on in this church. And then Paul, uh, Paul lays it out in, in the very first verses. He calls them what? He calls them holy. He calls them set apart. Now, let me, let me ask you this. If a leader had walked up to you, and let's even say a, a big leader that we respect, that kind of be weird if he did it today because he's passed away, but Billy Graham, you know, I think most people respect him as a Christ follower, God-fearing person. Can you imagine if Billy Graham walked up to you and says, you know what? You are, you're a righteous person. Can you imagine that? Wow. Can you imagine uh, the chairman of our elders, Paul Matsumoto, walking up to you and going, you know, I've just been watching you from, from, from uh, afar, and I, I just think you're, you're, you're just a holy person. You are set apart. And this is, this is huge. Paul, Paul's encouraging them, saying, you are set apart. You're holy people. And then he, he goes on to say this, you're faithful. 
You, 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 you've shown and proved yourself to have a commitment to the gospel even through some of the persecution that you faced. And by the way, it's going to get a lot harder. He didn't put that in there. So, I mean, just right out the gate, he's building them up. And then he calls them what? Brothers and sisters. I mean, this isn't like, oh, I'm Paul and you're not. But this is like, a, this is a warm, friendly greeting from a guy that so many revered, so many respected. So he's called them holy. He's called them faithful. And he's called them brothers and sisters. He's reminding them that we are one big what? Family. He's an encourager of his audience. And I would, I would guess as I sat and studied this this week, I, I was thinking, man, if I was in that crowd, trying to picture what that would be like, and then receiving the beginning of this letter, I'd be like, man, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm like, Paul just encouraged me. No matter how I'm feeling at the moment, I, I, uh, before this letter, I feel good now. Thank you, Paul, for your kind words. So that's the background. There's so much more I could give you, but that's, that's the background for the rest of the next four weeks as we study. And if you're taking notes, write this, number two. Number two, the greatest words. Because remember, what's our, what's our sermon today? The greatest story ever told. But what makes a great story are great words like I shared earlier. And right out the gate in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we're going to see the first word of six. There's going to be six words that I think are life-changing words that make for the greatest story ever told. Right out the gate in verse 3, we see the first one. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And again, this is just my thoughts. You know, you could underline and highlight whatever words are, are, are relevant to you or stick out to you. But these are six words. These are the ingredients of the greatest story ever told. And the first word is this, thankful. Paul says, we always thank God. And I'm sitting there going, Paul, you're in a prison cell right now. Paul, you, you are, you've been found guilty of a crime of really doing what God wanted you to do. You could be sitting in prison right now going, this really stinks, God. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, right. I try and go out there and preach the gospel. I go out there and try and do the very thing that you asked me to do. And I find myself sitting here in a jail cell and the food stinks. And the company's awful. And yet, what is he doing? He's finding time to write a letter. And he says, we always thank God. How, like, here's my brain. How was thankfulness right out the gate for you, Paul? Like, maybe after a while of writing, you get there. But right out the gate, he shows this attitude of gratitude. My question for myself and for you is, do you have a heart of gratitude this morning? Or can you give me a list of all the crud that happened? And that's what's on your mind, even as I'm preaching right now. And even when I said that word thankful, you're like, yeah, pastor, you just don't live my life. Eeyore. <laughs> right? And let me just tell you, I, I, <laughs> you got to just be thankful you have your mind and you don't have mine. I'm just a weirdo. I am so weird. 
But like the other day, this was like two weeks ago, and all of a sudden I'm just driving, and I got this thought, like, like life is like driving in a car. And I'm like, you know, back a, a little, little about probably 11 months ago, this time last year, but a little bit later in the year, right after the fires, I was like, you know what? Perspective's everything. So you have all these major fires. You're driving down PCH, and you look out one side of the window, and you see this beautiful ocean, and you see a blue sky, and you see the foam from all the waves that are crashing. You see people jogging and rollerblading, and you see seagulls in the air, and you're just like, this is awesome. And in that same vehicle, you look out the other side of the window, and you see homes that are burnt. And you see mudslides. You see road closures. You see police cars. You see traffic. And it's like, but I'm on the same road. But my perspective changes just from looking this side or looking at this side. Does anyone get what I'm saying? And I believe it's the same thing with, with, with thankfulness uh, and being thankful that, that literally the truth is we all have two windows. And one side we could look and we could just see all the crud that's happening in our life and all the things we wish weren't happening and all the pain that's going on, not only in our lives, but the lives around us and, and what the world is doing and what our country's doing and, oh, I live in California, poor us and all that, you know, and I don't feel good and I stub my toe and it's Sunday and Chick-fil-A is closed. Or you can look out the other window and just go, you know what, Lord, thank you. I, I got up today. Lord, I, I, seem to, uh, I seem to be moving a little slower than I did 20 years ago, but I'm, I'm glad I'm still moving. And God, for some other, whatever reason I could see, I could hear, I could smell, as long as I take Claritin. <laughs> I, um, I have a roof over my head. I've been able to eat. Uh, you fill in the list. Everyone's list is different, right? But, but isn't perspective important? So that's why I think this word is absolutely belongs a part of the greatest story ever told, is, is thankfulness. I, I, I actually, I, I got really weepy Thursday. I was speaking to our vintage group. Man, that's fun. Once a month upstairs in the sunset room, they're doing a service for 55 and over, and they sing some old great hymns. And then some, one of the pastors speaks, and I happened to be the one that was blessed to be able to speak. And, and I was just, I, I was just overwhelmed by the people that were in that room just looking at them. And I was so grateful. I could literally probably talk about the majority of them individually and what God has done to inspire me. So there's that gratitude, and I'm tearing up at the end because I'm telling a story of, of two people this week that called me, former members of the church that, that um, now have moved uh, far away to other states. Actually, they've both moved to the same state, which is ironic. And out of the blue, out of the blue, one on Monday and one on Thursday, called me just to say thank you. And they gave their, their, um, their heart. And you know what that did for this guy? 
that was maybe a little down and discouraged at those moments, it filled me. Which side of the vehicle are you looking out of? Which window are you looking out of? You see, the attitude of gratitude is so much filling of the cup. Amen. And here's Paul, right out the gate, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You go on to our second word, and it's found also, he says in verse 3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The second word that I think is absolutely amazing, that amazing to help make this story the greatest story ever told is the word faith. Can you say faith with me? Faith. Faith is being persuaded or convinced that something is true and trusting it with your whole life. Faith is being persuaded or convinced that something is true and trusting it with your whole life. And and, and Paul even goes a little bit more specific here. It's not just faith, but it's faith in who? Oh, you can say his name in church. It's faith in who? And you can say his name out on the streets, by the way. It's faith in who? And you can say it at the village over there. It's faith in who? You can even say it at Dodger Stadium. It's faith in who? (laughs) Right? It's faith in Jesus Christ. This is such a powerful word, my friends. The word faith makes up one of the most important ingredients of the greatest story ever told. Uh, Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. My friends, one of the greatest struggles I have in my own life is that I want to know what I'm pressing on towards. It's like, God, if you could just tell me what that thing is, then maybe I can endure it a little easier. And and God's not the one that's going to show us the whole map. He's not going to show us entirely what the road looks like and all the different stages of good and bad on it. God says, you only need to focus on me and I'll take care of the rest. And my question for my own life is, do I have a living faith in Jesus Christ today? And as I have to ask that of myself, I ask it of you today. Do you have a living faith in Christ Jesus? And I don't mean that decision that you made when you were 12 years old, when mom and dad were maybe pushing you down the aisle and you came down and said yes to Jesus. Or you were at a camp and you heard an amazing message and you gave your life to Jesus and you were no longer that person that you used to be. Or maybe you're 52 years old and there was a situation that happened in your life and you got into God's word and you surrendered your life to him and were immersed in him and you called him Lord of your life. Praise God for that day. But what are you doing today? Do you have a living faith in Christ Jesus today? Are you pressing into him today with your finances, with your relationships, with your addiction, with your struggles, with your joy? Are you having a living faith? And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, guys, I'm excited about your faith in Christ Jesus. And you know what I can say as one of the leaders here of this church? I am excited about your faith in Christ Jesus. We started off our staff meeting this Tuesday. We meet every Tuesday, 9 to 1030. If you want to pray for our leaders of this church, that's a great time to do it. We're all together, the staff, from 9 to 1030, except for those 
meetings where the boss makes us even go longer. We started off that meeting, and I said, you just, I, I just want to take some time. I want us to go around this room, and let's talk about people in our church that are on fire for the Lord, and lives are changing. I don't know if it was close to a half hour or so, and I had to put a stop to it. Because we had one story after another of people in this church that are inspiring us. Because they are pressing into God and to Jesus Christ with a living faith. My friends, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what the road looks like. But the greatest story ever told has thankfulness in it. And it has faith in it. You read this, this, the rest of the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to find out about Noah and his faith and Rahab and, and her faith and Joshua and, and his faith and David. And, and then, you know, we're coming up to Christmas. You know why? Because I went to Costco and they got five aisles full of Christmas stuff. That's how I know it's almost Christmas. And, uh, and, and we're going to hear the story about an amazing woman. Her name is Mary, right? And you talk about faith. You remember that visit from the angel and he says, man, you're going you're gonna to give birth to a child and, 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 and yeah, yeah, by the way, I know you're a virgin and, and you're going to name him uh, Emmanuel. He's going to be Jesus and he's going to be the savior. And this little 13, 14 year old girl's like, what? And then, and then after a bit, she's like, whatever you say, let it be. And then she sings a beautiful song, amen? She didn't know what the, the road looked like, but she knew who the God that owned the road looked like. The greatest story ever told has two beautiful ingredients, thankfulness that we see in the book of Colossians here at the beginning, and um, faith. If you go back to Colossians, you see this. Verse four, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. There's the third word. I have all these just highlighted, underlined in my Bible. The third ingredient is love. You see, faith is only the beginning, my friends. But faith ought to produce love for others. We see it over and over again. You've heard it over and over again in Matthew chapter 22. The greatest commandment is to love God, but then it's to love our neighbors. Faith and love produce beautiful fruits. Amen? And there was false teaching going on. And the false teaching that was going on is, yeah, that's cool. Faith in Jesus Christ is great, but you also need to be circumcised. Or you also need to obey these, these, these holidays. Or you also need to turn to these pagan gods. Or you also need to remember uh, these rituals. Uh, it's kind of like hometown buffet. You just not need to make sure you cover all your bases. You got it all there. And I want to tell you, even in 2020, even as Christ followers, I think sometimes we fall into the trap of maybe Jesus isn't enough. Maybe I do need to see that psychic on the corner of dot, dot, dot. 
Maybe I need to follow my horoscope. Maybe I need to see what Buddhism has to offer for me or Mormonism or Catholicism. Maybe I need to go get a shiny crystal and put it around my neck, just, just in case. Maybe I need to do my house in, what's it called, feng shui or something, right? That was big hip happening. Church, I, I say this in love because I believe the scripture says it. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. It's not Jesus and. It's Jesus. He is enough. And really, if I could kind of give you the secret of the core of this entire letter, that's what the core is. It's reminding his audience that you guys, you're getting all these outside pressures. You're young in your faith. Let me remind you, Jesus is enough. And so these false teachers need to be pushed aside. Secret knowledge is not knowledge. Power is no good. It doesn't bear fruit of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1. Uh, it's the love chapter, right? And we're not going to read it all. You, you, could, you could go and read it for yourself. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have what? Do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. When's the last time you woke up and said, Lord, I just want to be a gong or a cymbal today. I just want to be making loud noises today. None of us desire that. But the scripture tells us if there's not love associated with our faith, then we're really missing out. And this love is patient and it's kind, right? And the, love, the, the list goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think the greatest story ever told, Paul is unfolding it right here with the main ingredients. And the main ingredients are thankfulness and, and faith and love. And then you can read also uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And it says this. Once I get there. Galatians, you want to pop that up? <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 6. Did I do that right? It says this, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what, church? Faith expressing itself through love. Here's my question for my own life and my question for you here uh, this morning. How is your love? How is my love this morning? Am I a clanging symbol? Or because of my gratitude and because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that love is bearing fruit in thinking and caring about others. I wrestled whether to share this or not, and, and, and you won't know the name, so it won't matter, but uh, we went, uh, my wife and I, with another couple for a few days to Puerto Varata um, uh, a few weeks ago. And in the morning, I get a text from this couple, and it said, um, let's meet for breakfast at 9 o'clock or something like that. And I'm like, all right. And then he sent pictures. 
what had happened is about midnight, he, I don't know if he just woke up or however this all played out, but he and his wife got a taxi in Puerto Vallarta at midnight, asked them to drive him to the nearest Walmart, which was probably about 45 minutes away. They walked through Walmart, filled up five carts of toys, baby formula, blankets, um, diapers, you name it. They bought all of that, filled up the taxi, brought it back to the hotel, had them store it. And then after breakfast, we went to a local orphanage and dropped this stuff off. My friends, in my opinion, and again, do you hear me as, this isn't a story about me. I just tagged along with someone's faith and love. But isn't that amazing? Example uh, of gratitude that led to this faith in Christ Jesus, which led to love, which led to expressing this love in a beautiful way. The story continues. I mean, there's just one good word after another in the story here. If you go back to um, Colossians, we're gonna, we're gonna find out that uh, in verse five, in verse five, it says the faith and love that spring from what? The hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. There is my fourth word. What do you think it is? Hope. You know, we're in this series called Unshakable Hope. And you and I both know in our own lives and in the lives of many outside this church, people are looking for hope. They're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. They're looking for something that's gonna pull them out of bed. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for anything at the moment in some cases. And hope is a part of the greatest story ever told. Because we can't find hope in a career, we can't find hope in a relationship, we can't find hope in finances, we can't find hope even in a church, quote unquote. We find hope in Christ Jesus. I can't promise you like some preachers on TV and the radio wanna say you give your life to Jesus and everything's gonna be wonderful. You know what I've seen sometimes? It gets harder when you give your life to Jesus Christ. That doesn't preach well. <laughs> Just saying. It's like a car salesman going, this is a car, but it ain't running. <laughs> I'll buy it, right? But I want, that's just real. But here's the deal, I've said it many times, I'd rather go through the good times of life with Christ, or, or, or the hard times of life with Christ, than the good times of life without Christ. Because he is our living hope. Look at First Peter. If you go to First Peter, and we're going to go to verse uh, chapter one, verse three. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into what? A living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into the inheritance that, we can never, that will never perish or never spoil. This inheritance is kept in heaven from you. This is what I know. In Philippians, Paul says, I press on to take hold of that which has taken hold of me. I'm gonna press on to, to the point of which God has called me, which is heavenward. This is what motivates you and I. I don't know what's gonna necessarily happen here on this earth, but I know there is great hope in heaven 
heaven awaiting each and every one of us. Are you ready for the new heavenly bodies? Are you ready for those relationships that doesn't have jealousy, that doesn't have envy, that doesn't have gossip? Are you ready for the, for the, the, the rooms that you don't have to fix the cracks in and the air conditioning that's not breaking? Are you ready to be in the presence of God Almighty where it's not Michael North leading you, but it's the angels leading you? Come on now. That is the living hope. That's why this is the greatest story ever told. Because we can have love and we can have faith and we can have gratitude and we can have hope in Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is doing right here in the first few verses, my friends. And it gets better. Because then in verse, we, we just read it. If you continue to read verse five, the faith and the love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven, which is, is what which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. In the true message of the what? The gospel that, that has come to you in the same way. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. What's the gospel? Glad you asked. It's the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, what the scripture tells me is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. That means all of us are sinners. That's why it reeks in here. And then the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, so we all deserve death. But then, you know what the Bible says? God looked around heaven, he says, man, I want relationship with these people, and I can't have relationship with them. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but it's our iniquities or sin that have caused his face and his back to turn on us. That's what Isaiah tells us. So he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, and his son walked this earth and lived a perfect life was tempted in every way, but did not sin. And eventually he was falsely accused and put on a cross. And he, 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 he went through an evil, torturous, lonely, exhausting death. And then he was stashed away in a tomb. And three days later, <laughs> three days later, how many days? Three days later, he conquered death. He said, here I am. Everyone's like, oh, what? It? That's a loose translation. <laughs> and then in Acts chapter 1, 8, he ascends into heaven and he says, guys, don't worry, I'm coming back. But until then, you need to go to Judea, Judea uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. And you need to let them know about the good news. What's the good news? It's the gospel. Because it turns darkness into light, hopelessness into hope, unlovely into loving. It turns it into unrest to rest. This is the gospel. And it changes lives inside out, upside down. You see, these are the ingredients of the greatest story ever told. What are you doing with this story? Because then it leads to the last ingredient, but certainly not the least, in Colossians 1.6. In the same way, the gospel bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. <sighs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Is the sound of grace still amazing to you? Grace is a gift that you and I do not deserve. You know the gospel story that I just told you? 
I did nothing to deserve it. As a matter of fact, I lived an opposite life. I should have been on the cross. But grace is so amazing because it doesn't make sense. A gift we did not deserve. Recently, I was in Palm Springs with the men's retreat. I don't know, last month sometime, and uh, last day, and all the guys had left, and there was my son and I and a, another guy on the trip, and we're having a, a nice meal upstairs at the country club, and, and um, at the end of the meal, uh, the waiter put the check on the table, and uh, it said, paid in full with a smile. I did nothing to deserve that. But someone spontaneously, graciously gave me a gift and my son and the guy that was with us. Now church, the bill I racked up in Palm Springs does not compare to the bill I've racked up with unrighteousness. And Jesus stamped my life with his blood paid in full. And he did your life. I want you to read the rest of the verses this week up to through verse 14. And the next week we're going to go 15 <coughs> through the end of the chapter. But this week I want you to think about the ingredients that makes up the greatest story and how that impacts your life. Faith, love, hope, gospel, grace. And let me close with this. It's not a story to be read, but it's a story to be lived. It's not a story just to be read, but it's a story to be lived. Live it, love it, and tell it. God, thank you. Thank you for the guacamole you gave us today. Thank you for feeding our soul with everything we need. We thank you for faith. We thank you for gratitude. We thank you for love. We thank you for hope. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for grace. It's in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.